Welcome to Between Data and Risk podcast. Today, we'll talk about data use in banking with our guest, Andrew Batchtuder, CIO of Frisk Community Mortgage. Stay tuned. If you're a business owner or senior manager, you probably had more than enough about all the wonderful opportunities awaiting you in the era of digitalization. Whether it is big data, cloud, data science, or whatever buzzword is currently trendy. If you would like to hear someone dissecting these claims and showing you what it actually takes to improve business processes, you're in the right place. This is Between Data and Risk, where we discuss real-life examples of what works and what doesn't in the world of business operations. Hello, I'm Artur Guya, Cognition Shared Solutions Chief Risk and Strategy Officer, and with me is my co-host, your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Maren Siwiak. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Between Data and Risk. Today, we'll take a look at the opportunities and risks presented by data science in financial institutions. We have with us Andrew Batstubner, Chief Information Officer at First Community Mortgage, who agreed to share some of his experiences with us. Hello, Andrew. Hi, guys. Pleasure to be with you today. Pleasure to have you uh, with us. Great. Uh, it's it's uh, it's finally we have an episode uh, with with someone from a financial institution. I'm very very keen on 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 this discussion because my background is in in in, in finance. So let's start with a bit of introduction, Andrew. If you could give us a bit of background on uh, what are your main focus areas in in first community mortgage and uh, how how you utilize data science what's your view of data science in uh, in your institution sure uh, first community mortgage a lot of our focus on data and data science is around optimization of the business uh, as you know right now in the united states uh, the mortgage industry is contracting because the housing market is contracting. Uh, and so there is a lot of emphasis right now on making sure that we're running as efficiently as possible. And so we're using a lot of data to look at our operations, making sure that we're, we're spending the right effort on things and, and that we're always getting more efficient. Um, and we, we find ourselves looking more inward today in a period of contraction than we probably would in 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 an expanding market uh, where we would be looking very heavily at like how do we expand sales uh, and things like that but we are trying to, to use data to expand our sales net as well so, so when I... you say looking inward it's is it uh, optimizing your processes optimizing the usage of capital uh this 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 kind of um what to do more with existing customer base with existing resources yeah yeah that's right for example you know um your your listeners in, in the united states will be familiar with buying a house is just this incredibly difficult process right and and probably once you find your house the hardest part is getting finances a fan, financing for that house. And it's just, it's just so onerous, the amount of data that needs to be collected. And there's an enormous amount of documents. And, and believe it or not, a lot of, a lot of what is collected today is still document based, right? And so we get all these documents in, and these will be things like your bank statements, your credits, your credit scores, your credit reports, um, information about the house and appraisal, all this stuff comes in in different document formats, almost entirely unstructured data. Um, Does it come on paper or at least it's a file? So at least it's a file. Often it's, it's someone took a picture of a document <laughs> and uploaded it out. So it's like a step above paper, right? But just, but just not much, but not much. Above. Yeah, yeah. Then there are some that are more advanced. Like for example, we can get we can get credit reports using an API today. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. And we can do, in some cases, probably fifty percent of the time, we can work with our customers to automatically connect bank accounts, so we can get some financial data using APIs. Uh, and wherever we can, obviously, we prefer to get the APIs. But in the end, there's a lot of data that we have to collect manually, and 
after we collect all this data, then we have to make a decision about whether or not we can underwrite the loan. And it's just a very, very difficult job for underwriters. And so getting back to your original question, like we are spending a, a lot of time trying to optimize that collection and flow of data and then optimizing the time that underwriters spend analyzing that data so they can make the right decision so then we can move on and and write the loan uh, and it's just it's it's a very complicated and very hairy problem today so when you when you encounter these opportunities that are are, are present you know that may be solved by by applying data science uh you know i i, I come i come from I've I've worked in uh, in big financial institutions. I've worked worked for Barclays, for Rabobank, for HSBC, and uh, we we've used data science. But very often uh, the the projects that that were that were linked to data science had pretty pretty big budgets and were more exploratory in terms of you know let's see let's see what we can do here. I, and the the, the goals were uh, the goals. Yes, Marianne. I need to interrupt you. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I would like to clarify. Are we talking about data science yet? Or are we still talking about data engineering? Because as you know, I'm pretty touchy when it comes to using the term data data science. It's already watered down to you know homeopathic levels. Uh, so if I hear... But you, uh, you, you, you've been said, telling you've been telling me that data science is a science. It's about finding stuff. It's, it's yes, a, and not this is about what we've structuring documents. We took data. No. Yeah, we've we've been taking data and looking and how like we to... can improve the, the 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 process by looking at this data and developing something that that we that, invited that works. Andrew. It's, 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 uh, okay, so I, I appreciate. I'm going to ask. Okay, I'm. I was going to ask. Quite a lot of money in these projects was basically has gone into exploration, and a lot of them were abandoned before they they they, they led to a single yota of uh, improvement in production. Having worked for smaller financial institutions, obviously, I, I expect you don't have that kind of luxury of, of frankly wasting a lot of money. So how how do you how do you approach this with a bit more you know, practical? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Let me say, I have worked at fintechs before where we did a lot of exploratory data analysis, right? In particular, where we were trying to write, um, we were trying to use machine learning to determine like automated underwriting rules. Mm -hmm. uh, these are these were for non-secured loans, and uh, that was a lot of fun, you know. <laughs> it, 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 it is a lot always. Of fun, you know? to have the money to go and, and do that. In today's environment, and especially working for a mortgage bank, uh, we don't have that exploratory budget, right? So every dollar that we have to put, that we put in has to show a return today. So we have to be very, very choosy. And what we end up doing is, um, we end up working a lot with partners because what we're finding is that partners have the ability to aggregate those, you know, they essentially are the aggregation of a lot of their clients' resources. And what we hope is that by working with partners, they can take the information from all of the clients like us, digest that information, make it a more viable product, and then bring the product back to us in a way that'll help move our business forward. Actually, I'm I used to work with, with a lot of startups. Some of them were in, in, in financial space. And uh, one thing that we discussed uh, with, with Artra before, I think, some of these partners using open banking uh, especially, um, how do you consider the risks related to cooperating with someone who is maybe not as heavily regulated as you are? Because it's... Uh, it's nice and dandy that uh, you know you get flashy charts and uh, and cool machine learning models, uh, but I'm I'm maybe too grumpy recently. Uh, but uh, recently, how do you, recently, uh, how do how how, how 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 do you 
I'm thinking about our audience and people who who, who operate with and, and they are over flooded with dozens of I guess you too uh, of uh, proposals. We will do some machine learning for you. We will we have these wonderful tools. How do you see the um, yeah, the golden nuggets, which are for sure there from so so ish offers? Yeah. It's a it's a good observation. Let me give you an example to make make your observation real, and then I'll talk about I use that same example to talk about how we solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so OCR today is a field that's fairly advanced for a lot of general use cases. Mm-hmm. For example, we have uh, I mean we have really good document recognition and indexing or indexing and extraction for things like driver's licenses, passports. Um, Standardized documents. Standard, yeah, bank statements from the top six banks, right? And we have, <laughs> for, for documents that we see a lot, it works pretty well. And so we get um, a lot of requests for business from imaging providers outside of the mortgage space. Mm-hmm. And here's a, another good example would be like uh, AWS has has an OCR platform that's very good generically, right? And mm-hmm. Google has very, very good generically. They fall down once we get into the very specific domain of mortgages, especially mm-hmm. residential mortgages. And what we find is that while they're good on, on those general documents, they're not very good at reading uh, loan notes. They're not very good at reading titles and deeds, and they're not very good at reading a lot of the data that we need, need to be read uh, and processed. Uh, and they're not even very good at reading a lot of the the common data, but from uncommon sources. For example, bank statements that are outside of top the top six, six banks. The, se- the right. seventh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the seventh? seventh. They're all different. Who are, who are we? Who are we blaming <laughs> right now? Yeah. <laughs> so what we find is that people will come and say, hey, we can do this really well. We have this great OCR technology. We have this great, and, and the latest thing that I'm seeing is we have this great OCR technology and we're using AI to extract the data in a way that has never been extracted before. Uh, it makes a huge difference when that provider says, and we've been working in the mortgage industry for 10 years and we have a huge library of mortgage specific documents. Right. And so mm-hmm. we're always in some ways flirting with those at the edges of innovation uh, in, in AI for processing, AI for decision making, AI for image recognition and extraction. But we're, we're just we're very that's where we're very exploratory. Right. We're very exploratory and understanding what's going on in the market so that we can have our eyes on the horizon. But when it comes to really making a difference in the business, we have to rely on partners that have deep understanding of our domain. And I suspect that it's that way for many different kinds of highly regulated industries. It's probably that way in pharma and, um, you know, in, in other kinds of banking. It's probably that way in you know, industrial gases, for example, and in other areas where there's very tight government regulations, there's going to be a very domain-specific set of AI tools. Okay, so uh, let's make a step. Okay, go. Okay. Uh, We've we've stumbled uh, kind of slightly away from from data science and to a very interesting topic of of data interoperability and and data transmission. Because uh, I remember that uh, back in 2002, I think it was, uh, I, I worked a bit on uh, uh, exporting uh, account data into standardized formats. And, uh, you know, I, I remember that it was it was pretty common functionality that banks could, uh, you, you could download your account uh, information, your account statement, in, not only in Excel CSV, which is you know, pretty generic and pretty useless most of the time, but in, in standardized formats for, for uh, account information. Now, I, I expect that there are providers who, who would be able to read those, those standard inter- uh, you know, account interchange uh, uh, formats. But for example, your, your, your bank, 
when clients, when you, when your customers want to want to get to their account, do they have the ability to download their account data in some standardized format so they can, <coughs> if they need to use them in in you know downstream for whatever, can can they access that information electronically and download it? They can. Yeah, we have a we have a very narrow focus, and that like with us, they're only going to be looking at their mortgage, right? We don't we don't cross sell into checking accounts and and savings accounts mm -hmm. and other kinds of loans. Um, so our customers that are in the servicing phase where they're making payments, you know, they can they can uh, they can access their account data electronically if they need to. Uh, it's it's interesting for me why why uh, you know the, most of the of the data that's input to you 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 say that it's coming in either in paper formats or the next best thing which is a photo of a paper next uh, but, worst uh, uh, yeah I'm 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 just wondering why there isn't what what's the barrier to uh, making the electronic data interchange a bit more common is it is is it the problem that there are so many standards, you know, standards are wonderful. That's why we have so many of them uh, uh, in, in, in the data interchange space. Or is it the, the customers simply don't know that they can download the information from one bank, upload it to another bank if they want to transfer this data rather than, you know, photograph uh, or, or run their, uh, their, date, their bills through a scanner? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it actually is a two-headed problem. So on the consumer side, um, you have services like Yodly and Plaid and Finicity and a, a bunch of others, right? It's a very crowded space that will allow mm -hmm. customers to connect to their bank accounts. And that will allow us to get uh, the data over APIs. We find that uh, about 35% of the customers that hit that page still are reluctant to go through that process because they're nervous about sharing their passwords. And, and there's a perception, we've done a good job as an industry of saying, hey, do not share your password. And so they say, hey, this is not my bank site and they're asking for my bank password. That just makes me nervous. So I'm just gonna take pictures of my bank, bank statement. In some cases, they'll download the PDF version of their bank statement, which is, which is a step above the, the camera, right? Um, the other head of this monster is uh, that we deal with so many different parties on the back end uh, that, or, or even in the processing. We deal with a lot of investors that need data in certain formats, right? And then we deal with a lot of, let's just call them data providers along the way that operate in an environment where there are no standards. For example, we have to get title information. Uh, mm -hmm. That is controlled at a very local level. It's controlled at the town, at the county level. It's not controlled even at the state level, right? So we have to deal with all of the counties in the United States of America. All of them use different formats. All of them use, uh, I mean, there's some overlap obviously in systems, right? Because I'm sure that there, there's vendors that service that industry. but but um, they're all different. And the lack of standardization in the pieces of data that we need in order to make our decision is kind of complicates the problem exponentially. Well, living in UK and, and having bought a house, I, I know that we have the, the land registry and that's, that's kind of the making life a bit easier. Although I, I have to say uh, only a tiny bit because uh, you know we ha we still have quite a lot of uh, legacy documents on yellowing paper, and uh, you know the 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 deeds that I I received for my house were literally on crumbling crumbling paper. But so now, from what Marian taught me, you know, and every, everything I know about data science, he has taught me, uh, unfortunately, uh, which is why I don't know much. <laughs> Uh, the uh, after the data has been transmitted you you need to you need to clean it you need to harmonize it i wanted to to to, to ask you uh once you once you actually receive that data is it pretty easy to 
get the data in a, into a, a structure that fits into your process? Or is there still variety in the market where you have to kind of think about what, where the data actually fits into your, into your uh, preconception? Well, there's a lot of variety, and that's why it's very human-based today. Uh, and, and there's a huge industry that has come up in terms of helping to standardize that variety, right? And that's why we get, there's a lot of data science behind it. There's a lot of AI behind it in terms of that standardization process. Because in the end, you really want your underwriters and like the perfect situation, you'd want your underwriters to be looking at a dashboard with like green and red checkboxes, right? Has income been verified? Is the collateral verified? You know, and then we just go through all the regulations of what's necessary. And if, if we had the best system, which is mythical today, we would have just big green check boxes and the underwriter could drill in and, and they could verify it, right? And they could write loans very, very quickly. Um, you, that, you almost wouldn't need an underwriter, you know, because if, if, if it's it all green. Just a blue, just... blue button or the green button and the red button and green is... Well, in a, in a loosely regulated industry, you could do it without a human underwriter. Right. You can't do that for residential mortgages in the United States because it's very, very tightly regulated. Right. But yeah. like um, unsecured personal loans, you could do that for sure. Unsecured small business loans, you could do that. Yeah. Uh, you, wouldn't, you would not need we, the underwriting. You could just we, have. We uh, had we had recently discussion with uh, J.D. Whitlock from, from Children's Hospital. And we were discussing using AI in uh, in medicine, and the solution that, that that we discussed it like the AI should prepare the first loose uh, version of the interaction, so to speak, and take notes during the diagnosis and prepare the report, the the, the first draft of the report. Then the actual doctor would modify it a little, check if it's in agreement with what happened, and then sign it. So I imagine that uh, when Arthur mentioned that we wouldn't, knew underwriter, wouldn't need uh, underwriters, it means that we wouldn't need them to do all of that. They would just have to check, if the, check, check the check marks, so to speak, and, uh, and then uh, let, it, let, it, let it go. Uh, is the... Is the process of checking the, because it's a very, very, uh, I would say, specific to financial market. And I know that Arthur will still have a couple of questions, but uh, not all of our audience are in, in financial market. Uh, what other areas did you recognize as, you know, everybody tries to cut costs, uh, not to say corners. Uh, it's not my mother tongue. I sometimes, you know, mix sayings. Uh, anyway, uh, what areas of, of, of opportunity or utilization of, of data science, and here I'm going back to my uh, initial remark that getting data from paper, PDF, which can be tricky. I know my wife worked in a startup which was trying to, to unify and put into the, into, the, um, into the portal format the information they were Gathering about uh, uh, about uh, houses as well uh, for, for for renting or sales. Uh, so it, uh, and it was it was a lot of a lot of work just to, to get information extracted even from from PDFs. But uh, let's as you mentioned, you worked in, in in financial companies which were working on machine learning models to 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 actually. Uh, try to predict the, the, the viability of the of the product like are there some areas of tightening the operations where you are especially proud of some i don't know machine learning i'm not saying that data science is machine learning I'm fighting with this but like data science machine learning some this advanced analytics uh that that really you know helped i don't know you are able to predict how much electricity will be costing over the day and you just give credits between, I don't know, 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. when it's the cheapest. I don't know. I'm just... Yeah, you know, in, in my current environment in, in mortgage lending, 
uh, that opportunity exists in the operations of the company, right? Mm -hmm. And how we go about doing it. It's not really there in terms of, for example, finding new ways to underwrite loans mm -hmm. because it's so regulated. Um, yes. So there's, you know, we use data. I think calling it data science would be a stretch, right? More like data analysis of our current operations uh, to understand where our needs for and our opportunities for improvement are. Uh, where I think there's an opportunity for data science is, is as I mentioned, in an expanding market when we're looking at how we're mining our leads and and our opportunities to go after additional markets, right? And additional right. opportunities that we may not be attacking today. Um, and that's that's very, very interesting work. And in, in previous places, there's been opportunities there have been opportunities in underwriting or in um, in finding, you know, and then the sales and prospecting areas as well. So, uh, Maria, it's your episode. You're you're the financial guy. No, because <laughs> I, I, because now we touched we touched about uh, we touched upon um, lead lead generation. And I must say, I, I find it curious because I know that uh, it's a problem for for many companies. Everybody wants to sell more. I guess it's not a uh, not a not, not, not a great of a surprise. Uh, what are the data sources? How do you search for 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 leads for something as I would say personal as uh, as mortgage? It's not uh, i don't want to say that everybody buys a house at some point because nowadays not everybody can afford it but looks like the group is spread across different uh geopsychological categories so how, how how do you approach it from 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 even analytical sides but you know what data do you use to 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 to, to and how do you if it's not a trade secret of course how do you categorize people uh, to decide who is your target and who is not? Yeah, so every company has got a different secret sauce on how they do it. But in general, there are a couple of tools that have been around for a long time. The oldest one of those is just understanding your current customer base and where they are in terms of the market. For example, mm -hmm. if if you have a third of your customer base that have mortgages with 7% rates, and the current rate is three and a half percent, then you're going to go market those very, very heavily, right? That's that's easy because all of that data is in-house. Mm -hmm. The second is when you're looking for triggers and uh, triggers both on your own customer base and then in markets where you'd like to participate. And so, for example, you might, and you can buy the triggers uh, out in the marketplace. So you can buy triggers on when credit has been pulled when someone has applied for another loan. Uh, and so you can monitor your own, you know, your set of customers that way mm -hmm. by subscribing to services that'll help you to understand those things. The problem with that is that it's normally reactive. So once someone has decided that the way that the trigger gets pulled, the, the credit trigger gets pulled is they've already asked someone else to be approved for a mortgage. So they already have a relationship. And so then you're coming in in a competitive situation and saying, hey, we think you might be looking for a loan. Can we help? Um, and it's probably one of the 20 emails they get this, this day uh, when this three, because the company that sells you the triggers doesn't sell on, only to you, but to all your competitors as well. So, so all, all of a sudden uh, you are in a very crowded, crowded place. Exactly, exactly. There are services up and above that that allow you to get a little bit more predictive. Uh, and for example, you might want to know when you're when um, a certain set of people, whether your customers or other other prospects that that you have a relationship with, are shopping for homes. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, this gets into the data aggregators that are online, where you can. You know, you can buy the data that says 
these people have been looking on like real realtor real estate focused mm-hmm. websites therefore they might be good and they they weren't before mm-hmm. right therefore they might be good candidates they're shopping for a home they're thinking about it and so you might want to go reach out to them or they might be looking for some some other life events like uh you know they're having kids or something like that other things that are triggers in their lives where people tend to buy houses uh, and every industry has those triggers and mm-hmm. in the world we live in today you know we are we are tracked every, so much online unless you're very careful uh, we are tracked and you know companies are aggregating that data this is how companies like Facebook and Google make money, right? And then selling that data back to people that are trying to to, to advertise it. Uh, I would like to make so. I think this is a a, a great uh, opportunity to to touch upon a, a a very interesting subject of of outsourcing because you you mentioned obviously buying data, and uh, we've we've talked a bit. Uh, there the, there was kind of mention of of using uh, data services providers partners for analysis i wanted to ask you about your your view on outsourcing data science uh, not just the, 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 the sourcing the, the raw data but actually you know ordering analysis to be performed by someone else because i see this as a as a, a bit of a double edged sword one is that if you're if you're outsourcing da- data science you cannot really um maybe you can do something slightly innovative but you cannot do something very innovative secondly you you you're you're, uh, you're relying on someone else to actually do the processing for you and uh, you know and NDAs aside uh, there is there is i've i've always as a, as a, as a chief risk officer as a risk manager i've always felt slightly uneasy about data uh, data processing data analysis that's been done by someone else uh maybe it's just my innate paranoia but i always like that the, the the data be analyzed uh, you know as close to me as possible and uh, using methods that i could understand uh and uh, you know if that if, was a if, limiting if factor I were to, yeah that was a very limiting factor unfortunately if i then stand in front of a regulatory body and they ask me how was this data analyzed i can respond without sweating which uh, always makes me feel very comfortable. Uh, so, how, what, Andrew? What's what's your view on 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 the on outsourcing data analysis and data science? So, philosophically, I'm a fan of of outsourcing, but uh, it has to be used appropriately. And in this case, I've yet to see the kind of return that I would hope. Right? Let me let me tell you. Let me put some caveats on that. First of all, um, it has to be anonymized, right? I get paranoid like you do with sharing customer data uh, and not just from a competitive perspective, but from a data theft and privacy mm-hmm. perspective. Mm-hmm. We take our customers' data security extremely seriously. And like I, I would be uncomfortable doing that unless my team had anonymized the data. I wouldn't trust anyone else to anonymize it. And mm-hmm. so I would be handing over signals and aggregate data sets or even anonymized individual files so long as the customer information was gone. Then I could get comfortable with outsourcing. But what I've seen, especially in, um, in data science, is that it's different from something like, like operations. Uh, where where it's it's almost like uh, technical piecework, right? Where you mm-hmm. you're basically driving for a lower, and often like outsourcing, especially offshoring, you're looking for arbitrage in labor rates. And in, in data science, in my experience, there's not a ton of arbitrage right? because data scientists are expensive all all the way around the world, uh, and there's some magic. And having very intelligent people that understand your problems really deeply. And I have not seen that magic come through with an outsourced partner yet. 
And I, I wonder whether it's even possible, to be honest. And I know that there's some really big data science outsourcing companies, and I know that they attract really talented people. But I, I would imagine that their target customers are really, really big customers that are going to be devoting tens of millions of dollars to the problem. And therefore, they're going to get dedicated talent on that problem. And that I think could work, right? If I were at a really big bank, then I might evaluate that. But for the mid-tier and the smaller tier, if we don't have the resources to devote millions of dollars into an outsourcing team uh, to get access to dedicated talent like that. We would do better hiring our own talent. Is the, the magic for me comes when you when you do have those really bright, really intelligent people that have these aha moments because they're following the data in a way that no one has followed it before. And that is really hard to do unless, unless you're fully invested in the, in the problem and the challenge. And that's hard to do unless, in my opinion, unless you're invested in the success of the company. You're, you're, you're tackling what we let's say discovered some time ago uh we we noticed that there is a problem we started as a data science company and we noticed that we create some models and then they are unused and they were unused because they weren't embedded into the business process so what you're saying is that the data scientists if they don't really understand the process what you said following the data as nobody uh, did before, I would add to it, first follow it as it was followed by the people who actually did the business. So it's not about going wild and, 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 and dropping random, random variables together and uh, cobbling together, together as, as a machine learning model. But this is really interesting because uh, you're one of the very few people we've met who actually deeply understands this connection between data and, and the process. We usually spend a lot of time explaining that data science is not a silver bullet of magical pill. You take some data, you drop it into some algorithm, you get some answer, ba-bam, everybody is, is happy. And it's a lot of uh, work and I'm really happy that uh, our audience can hear it from, from not only from us, but from, from a professional uh, working with really sensitive business that data science requires this investment and understanding of the business but it's not about technology and solutions it's about understanding the problem i must say i'm very very grateful and very happy to to, to hear that uh because that's in my opinion this is something that really had data science as a as a as a field it was supposed to be way of utilizing the scientific method this discovery, this understanding of, of, of new understanding of reality using data. And it became just applied machine learning, which, as you can hear, I am pretty grumpy about lately. <laughs> well, it's as much, it's as much like the beauty of it is in the art as opposed to science, right? Because like there are scientific methods to use, and there's a lot of technology, and there's a lot of math, and there's a but there it's is. understanding reality. It's it's yeah. a language that's going to be reality. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the beauty is in that that creative process and that that creative ability and and uh, I I know I, I think it's very difficult to to really be successful without that. Uh, I have to say, so I I wanted to counter that a bit because uh, um, you know what what you said about uh, about being very invested, but at the same time I understand that. Uh, you know, having having these these very talented and very bright people with uh, with with plenty of opportunity for aha moments, uh, it's costly, and uh, not 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 every institution may 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 afford it, and not not every institution may need it because uh, there there are certain certain methods, certain certain ap uh, approaches, applications that that are. You know, well, well understood in the in the industry. For example, uh, mortgage application scoring is 
there are standardized methods for 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 this obviously every as you said every every bank likes to have its own twist and a, a, its own secret that will give it a competitive edge but there are there are pretty pretty standard methods now i know that marian will probably uh, start start shouting at me that this is this is not data science that data an, an analysis or data engineering but mm-hmm. there are there are firms out there that provide pretty commoditized ter- you know data science like services uh which Where- What's wrong in calling it data analysis? Why do you need to call it data science all of a sudden? Okay, Marian's language purism aside, uh, I, I wanted to ask more about the the the, the, the kind of uh, cost benefit uh, analysis of those of those kind of solutions, where you know that the 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 service is, is commoditized; it's uh, it, it can be used. But at the same time, you know, we've we've talked about about the risk of an, uh, of or the security risk and anonymization. Uh, I wanted to 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 ask more about your view on risks on uh, using uh, using these kind of ana- uh, almost commoditized analysis without fully understanding the implications of of what you're buying because. You know, there may be a, a a a small financial institution. They they're not really interested in having their own model. They buy an off-the-shelf model from a provider. They send them the data. They get a result, and suddenly everything goes wrong because there are certain assumptions in the model which they didn't understand. They didn't fully comprehend that there are certain nuances that they should be should be uh, paying attention to. Do you think there there is still a use case for those kind of models or are the risks of not fully understanding what you're buying in commoditized form just too great and you wouldn't you wouldn't recommend touching no i i think it's it's a good point i think you have to be really wise about how you use it for example um things that are commoditized it, it it'd be better to pay other people to do it you know for example that the best example i have in my business is i don't need to 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 build the secret sauce on OCR technology. That would be yeah. a complete waste of my company's resources, right? It is much better for us to pay a partner to do that for us, whether it's uh, we buy software or we pay an, uh, an outsourcer to do that. Uh, and even like, like some of the basic data analysis that goes with it. I think it's important to answer that question though, on a case by case basis, I think it's important for the company to understand what its secret sauce is. Right. It, for example, if 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 there, let's just take like a hypothetical mortgage company. If there were no regulatory environment, so maybe we'll say it's a different kind. Let's say personal lending. Right, unsecured personal mm-hmm. lending. Your competitive advantage, the thing that makes you special, might be that you have a different underwriting algorithm from everyone else on the planet. And in that case. Your survival depends on being better there than anyone else, and I think you need to hire your own data scientists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say you're—that's not your special—that's not your area of differentiation. Your area of differentiation is outstanding customer service. You do out underwriting the same as everyone else, and that's fine because what your customers really want is the individualized customer service that you provide, right? Then you just go buy the buy the underwriting model from someone else. You pay someone else to do it because mm-hmm. that's not where you're focused, and you mm-hmm. devote all of your innovation efforts on how you improve that customer service experience. And and there there may be some something there to do some analysis or, you know, um, I think you get the point. But so there's two different focuses, right? It, not everyone needs to be innovating on the same things. All the time, you have to decide where is where is your area of focus, and then optimize your your capital resources towards innovating in that area of focus. Yeah, so essentially, we're we're going to back to 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 kind of the old adage: start with why, right? Start start what what is what is it that you want to differentiate yourself? And so, finally, I wanted to to touch about uh, something that Marian already mentioned before in this episode, and that that is business expectations of visibility, uh, because 
quite a lot of time we when when data science is mentioned and uh, there are the, there there are either very exaggerated expectations of oh this will solve all our problems because it will give us answers to everything uh, or there is lack of understanding like of the specificity of certain solutions and we are very often hear from the business oh just give me access to all the data and i'll i'll, I'll see what i can do with it uh, and uh, there is you know you you have to almost kind of kind of like like with little children you know hide the hide the sharp tools and 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 hope they they don't hurt themselves with 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 something because it's uh, it 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 can be it can be dangerous how do you approach this so that business really can can make use of this but without the 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 the, the risk that they will cut themselves on 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 some sharp corner somewhere that's a really good that's a really good question and one that we all live every day right it's uh, <laughs> especially in a world where like data science and you know the the intelligent use of data has become mainstream right and we expect we expect the things that we see uh, in our personal life to be just as good in our business our business light, right? If, for example, if Netflix can predict the next movie I want to watch, why can't my technology team predict the next best action for this customer? Right? Mm. And the truth is like we can't. It just doesn't, it just doesn't happen without an enormous amount of work. Right. Um, my approach to this is always to come back to what is the problem we're trying to solve? Like to be focused on the problem rather than on the tools. Uh, because you know the, there are varying levels of tooling and, and varying levels of analysis, and you know it might be that I can get this problem done in Microsoft Excel, and it's going to be just fine, and it'll be cheap and quick, you know. Or maybe I need to go hire a couple of people with PhDs in decision sciences, and you know spend six months on the problem, and then come back to you. It, that that we can use both of those solutions for the same to answer the same question. Um, but I would rather be the one that's saying, Hey, here's, here's the problem you've presented. Here are a range of solutions with costs to solve this problem. I'd rather have that conversation than have my partners say, Hey, I want you to go hire some data scientists or just give me all the data. Right. Because that just, <laughs> If we're not really solving problems then then we're just playing right we're just having fun with tools and with toys uh we're not really solving problems that's, uh, that's my I, perspective i couldn't agree more it's uh, in my experience the good old linear regression is usually sufficient in 80 percent of cases that the business scratches their heads around and uh, there's nothing wrong with that I could build some deep net to 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 do the same job, but it would take me considerably longer and require considerably different environment to even run it. Uh, so, no, I I think that our our audience should really listen to you carefully, because that's that's how, in my humble opinion, the proper data support of business should look like. Let's talk about problems and let's try to solve it. I'm solving. And then solve it using ChatGPT. Let's do. Drop your client's data there and say, well, what should be my next step? This entire podcast was done yeah. by ChatGPT, by the way. So. <laughs> 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 no, all, almost, almost. Because now, nowadays, if something is not done with, you know, I, 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 I bake my pancakes uh, for breakfast using ChatGPT. So that, uh, <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, my kids just won't eat them. Uh, so I, th I think this is this is a good good place to kind of summarize because uh, we've 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 touched on on some very important topics and. You know, uh, I think that, that, that the fact that you should look at the problem and not just pick solutions uh, that, that are looking for a problem. And looking looking at the, the, the data and making sure that 
you 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 treat your data with with respect and especially your customers' data because this for every business and especially a regulated business like finance, this is you know any 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 la, uh, loss of credibility in that area. You can have the finest data science, AI, ML models. If you lose credibility with how you handle your customers' data, you're essentially gone. Uh, yeah. So if 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 people wanted to, to 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 contact you, learn more about your 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 views, uh, I suspect Get LinkedIn is. A... <laughs> uh, uh, do you, do you have do you do you publish uh, any any a, a, a blog or somewhere where people can read more about your uh, your your views? I don't I don't have a separate like a standalone site. Uh, the best way to to reach me and uh, continue the conversation is probably on LinkedIn. Uh, and of course, if if there's anyone out there who's looking for a, a mortgage. Feel free to reach out. We'd be happy to talk. <laughs> uh, we will. We will put a link to uh, to 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 your LinkedIn and uh, obviously to First uh, Community Mortgage on uh, in the notes to, to the website uh, to the to the episode. And uh, as usual, let's hope it was of use to someone. Thank you for listening. Also, don't miss the next one, where we'll be talking about cybersecurity and cyber resilience to Amit Basu, Vice President, Chief Information Officer and Chief Information Security Officer for International Seaways Incorporated. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or visit bdr.show to find out more about future episodes and guests. You can also check out Cognition.llc for more information on Cognition Shared Solutions, our services and other events hosted by us. For now, it's thank you from myself, your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Marian Siwiak, and my co-host, Artur Guja. Thank you. <laughs>